listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 The Seattle Seahawks are in sole possession of first place in the NFC West after they beat the Philadelphia Eagles last night in Philly. 23-17 was the final. Now, as a Vegas show, the lead here is <laughs> very obvious. Is The line was less than six for a significant portion of the week. Then it was six, and then it was six and a half in most spots. And most of the day Monday, it was six and a half. So you can make it this simple. Is if you bet Seattle before Monday, you probably won. If you bet Philly on Monday, you probably won. But unfortunately, a big chunk of people, and I'm not talking about a minority. I'm talking probably, I'd say almost certainly more Seattle betters lost than won. And you might say, wait a minute, RJ, is you could have bet this game the prior Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday again and won. But then if you just bet it to one day, you lose. Well, yeah, because most people don't bet till the day of the game. And a public game like Monday Night Football, the favorite tends to drift upwards. Uh, now, there's exceptions. But a significant majority of the time, if you would bet the favorite Monday Night Football, let's say on Friday, you'd be better off than if you bet it Monday. And you'd be better off on Monday betting it early than betting it late. And the thing that I have a pet peeve on, Jonas, is the the theoretical guys that are talking about, well, use the Kelly criterion and also the idea of, yes, you should try to bet these summer lines in June. And say, yeah, all that's true. Just like to work out and be fit, you should probably not have any sugar. You should probably not. But listen, let's be realistic. I mean, you can do that, Jonas. I can't. (laughs) And now I maybe can do the betting stuff, a little, you know, discipline. Maybe you can't. We've all got only so much pain, only so much of a burden that we are willing to take on. We each have a limit on that. Some's more than others, but you got to ask yourself, are you betting for fun? And if you are, take the wins with the losses, roll with it. But if you're betting for money, you got to try to be a little more disciplined. If you got beat with Seattle minus six and a half, you can lament about the late touchdown pass. You can lament about a lot of things, but you lost. Lamenting equals losing in this case. <laughs> and if you would have worked a little harder at it, you would have won. I'm not bl- I'm just saying, look in the mirror and be honest. If you're doing it for recreation, no problem. Like imagine if someone's at the gym playing tennis, right? And they're having fun, they're laughing. And imagine Jimmy Connors runs up and goes, no, no, no. It'd be absurd, right? Jimmy Connors would never do that. No one would or anyone sane wouldn't because people are having fun. People have a right to bet for fun. Just don't fool yourself about what you're doing, Joan. For example, you you like to win, but you're having fun with it. Yeah, did it's you fun. did you have Seattle minus six and a half? Uh, no, I had uh, I had Philly plus five and a half. Oh no way! Uh, yes, yeah, I had oh. Philly plus. When five did you, and a half. so you bet early, but bet yes. the dog early? Yes, yes. What was the thinking? Uh, well, because it was for my Friday show, and I was just making picks. And at that time, I didn't know what the line was going to be moving forward. So I just oh, I no looked, one does, no one does. I, I, but I just looked at it and said, all right, I'll just take whatever the line is. I didn't know it was going to turn into that. Had I known it was turned into that, that wouldn't have been one of my picks. But of course, but, you know. You know Getting the best number, Jonas, is a lot like a seatbelt. 
you don't need it till you need it. <laughs> right? it's, it's like you can bat a bad number till you're blue. And then one day, and it's not one day, it's every 30 or 40 games. You know, it matters what the number is too, right? Six is a fairly key number. And remember, in football, the numbers are not all created equal. Three, four, six, seven, ten, fourteen, thirteen, seventeen. Those happen more than eleven, sixteen. Now, with all the going for two these days, be careful looking if you're looking at charts or whatever on the internet. A lot of the key number charts are based on a prior way of football being played. Just in the last couple of years, or last even this year, there's so many more teams, and we saw it with Philly. We see it every week with Philly. The go for it, too, in spots historically they wouldn't. It does make key numbers less key because the scoring isn't as systemic, or it's not as um, regimented, 3-7, three, 3-7. Seven, three, seven. But key numbers are key, and every number is worth something. And remember, in the long run, the difference between a drunk baby flipping coins and a Steve Fezzik, a professional better with a mansion and a yacht, is one winner every 20 games. So 55%, that one extra winner is one out of 20. So the drunk baby is going to win 10 in the long run out of 20, and Fezzik's going to win 11 out of 20. So that's one game out of 20. And about half of that is usually getting the best line. And about half of that is about the handicapping. So with a guy like Fezzik, it's literally about one in 40 games that the handicapping is the difference. About one in 40 games shopping for the best lines the difference. And the rest of the time, it's the same as a drunk baby flipping coins. But literally, Fezzik hasn't worked a straight job this century <laughs> because of that, those two one out of 40 shots. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. And we also know that we are disbelieving. We're almost uh, at a loss for how Carson Wentz has dropped off as much as, as he has. Here's the stat that I promised you. If you look at three seasons of passer rating, and then say, how much of a drop-off is year four? Not year four of a career, but rather if you just, at any point, like Big Ben, you say, how, how do you do his last three, and how is he doing now? Any quarterback, doesn't matter. In the history of the NFL, these are the five biggest drop-offs before this year in that year four. Why Tittle, or what, why a Tittle, <laughs> Joe Theismann, Mark Rippon, Peyton Manning, Brett Favre. Now, Carson Wentz, this year's drop-off, would be number four on that list, meaning there's five people I just listed. He'd be number four, so he'd be on the list. The other five, the next year after this, never started another season in the NFL. Wow. Four of them retired. Like, literally, the drop-off in this year four was so bad, they were out of the league. Done. And the other one, Mark Rippon, never started again. Like, it was a backup for the Browns after. So, literally, the drop-off that Carson Wentz has had, historically, would not allow you to ever be a starter in the NFL again. It's so bad. And he's right there on that list, going way back to YA Tittle. I mean, woo. And that's from, <laughs> that's from NFL research 
came out with that one, and it's a it's a doozy, don't you think? Yeah, no, it's and and that's what I wonder. I wonder what the plan is because we had heard Jalen Hurts was was getting first team reps with the offense. They brought him in, he threw one pass, and they took him right back out. Uh, yeah, and it was a it, right, completion, right? But yeah, here's it, the th- here's the thing: as much as everyone's lamenting their plus six or their minus six and a half. Our under two touch or under one and a half touchdowns went down on that pass too, Jonas. Oh, that's right. Oh, <laughs> I mean, that was that. That's tough, baby. That well, is tough. And it's one thing. I mean, who was expecting well, a a hail mary in that spot? I mean, it's not like it was. You know, the, we were running down five seconds left in the game, so he throws up a hail mary, and then it's caught by one hand. By by a tight end who's only playing because their other two tight ends have been banged up a lot this season. It just yeah, I, I didn't even think about that. That's terrible. That's Jonas Talks. I'm RJ Bell, straight out of Vegas. Now shifting to Seattle, I think this is a very encouraging game for Seattle. They were in total control effectively. Yeah. This is going to go down as a one score game, and everyone's going to look back and go, "Oh look, Seattle did well in a one score game." It wasn't effectively a close game. We have a system of pregame.com. McKenzie and Research is doing it every week, and we'll be talking about it every week. We take a weighted average of a team's chance to win in the fourth quarter. Once that fourth quarter starts, if the expected win percentage, which the NFL does, ESPN does, there's all kinds of different ones. They're all about the same, and it's quite reliable, is if it says you have greater than a 0% chance to win, and most teams do. There was only three teams that had a zero all through the fourth quarter last week. So it's a rare thing. We can quantify your chance to win. And what we do is give you a win share. Because if you win a game or if you lose a game you should have won, you got to get something for it, right? So what we say is it, whatever chance you should have had to win the game when you didn't, we're going to give it to you. We're going to give the winner a whole win. We're going to give someone else, for example, in an extreme game, uh, a loser that should have won maybe gets six-tenths of a win. And we have the standings, the win-share standings. Philly's chance to win this game was 3%. Literally throughout the fourth quarter, the average was 3%. So, yeah, it was a one-score game, but don't let that deceive you. Seattle controlled it. They dominated it. They were not going to lose it. And I would make the case that though Russell Wilson was – not spectacular. Probably doesn't get him back in the MVP race. He had a game that you could call solid. And Russell Wilson isn't your problem. If you're entering as a Seattle fan, the playoffs, thinking if only Russell Wilson plays well, you're in pretty good shape. And to me, Jamal Adams back on D, Dunlop, and I guess you know he's got a foot issue now. We'll see. But since they got him, since Adams came back, and remember, when you have a coach like Pete Carroll, Hall of Famer, who's a defensive guy, he's not going to let that defense be bad the whole year. He's putting extra time over there, doing what they need to do. And if you look over the last three games, efficiency-wise, Seattle has the 22nd best defense. You might say that's not so good, but holy cow, it's better than 30, 31. So if, if Seattle could be the 22nd defense and Russell Wilson just takes one more step to where he was, I'm not sure Seattle isn't the favorite in the West. And I'll tell you this, 
if New Orleans doesn't get back Drew Brees, I think they are the favorite in the West. What do you think? Yeah, no, I, I think uh, Seattle's a, a, a live dog, if you will, especially because of Russell Wilson's ability. And I would, if I'm a Seahawks fan, I'd rather see this type of performance from Russell Wilson than what he was having to do early in the season where he was having to win these shootouts because your defense wasn't playing well. So since Dunlop got there, they've been much better. They've actually been able to get after the quarterback. You saw it last night. Then if you look down the stretch – their final remaining games, the Giants, the Jets, Washington, the Rams, and the 49ers, those are all winnable games for them, so they can really make a run here. Uh, and, and who knows? I don't, think it's, I don't think it's that far-fetched to think that they could possibly maybe get that one seed in the NFC. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Coming up, top of the hour, they will be releasing the latest college football playoff rankings. And as you have pointed out, there's some discrepancies over the past couple of years. Well, I'm not even sure if you can have a discrepancy if you don't have an objective criteria. So let me ask you, Jonas, and I'm going to ask a very simple A or B question. Is the top four driven by who the four best teams are or by who had the four most accomplished seasons. So for example, if a team and you understand this, but to be completely illustrative is imagine you had a team that played a hellacious schedule. So tough on the road, blah, blah, blah. And they have two games that go down to a field goal at the end. They miss one. They make one. They finish, you know, uh, 12 and one, 10 or 11 and one in a regular season, let's say typical regular season. And it's like, wow, that's the best team in the country. No doubt. And then you got another team that plays a very um, easy schedule, easier conference. They win a couple close games. You know, they had two close games too, but they won both of them. One team's going to be favored maybe by seven. The other team has the undefeated, more accomplished season. Which criteria amongst those two simple ones is it? I think they lean towards best team, but I think they pick and choose when they want to go that direction. Which means they don't lean anyway, really, right? Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's, it's based each week. It feels like there's some different stuff going on. That's the problem. And it brings up another point. If you're not a Power 5 conference, what is the point? Yeah. So right now you've got a Cincinnati team when there's a lot of teams not playing a lot of games, Cincinnati 8-0, uh, they're going to be favored, it would seem, in every remaining game. Now, on one hand, you can make the case, and this is what the committee did in their statement. They said, or an interview after, they said, hey, this is the highest a non-Power 5 team has been at any point in the history of the college football playoff rankings. And that's actually pretty cool. I, I, I hear you. It sounds good. And right now, Cincinnati is seventh. Here's the question. How do they get to the top four? So Florida and Alabama, in theory, are going to play. Yeah. Notre Dame and Clemson are going to play. But here's the first question. Clemson is going to be a big favorite in that game. Big favorite. Yeah. Does Notre Dame get in if Cincinnati goes undefeated? Notre Dame gets beat by Clemson. And it's a cop-out if you say, well, it matters how much they get beat by. Eh, maybe. But in let's say it's a... Seven-point Clemson victory. Does the undefeated Cincinnati get in? And I'm asking you from the committee's perspective, not yours, and then you can tell me what you think. I think Notre Dame gets in. And who do you think should get in? Notre Dame. Really? Yeah. 
Wow. And what would be so what would be their signature win? The Clemson win without their quarterback and like quadruple overtime? Yeah, but you know, it's not like the backup played poorly. Uh, he's a very good player. Because Notre Dame's no good. That's, how could he play poorly? <laughs> but then also they had a win. Uh, the win over North Carolina last week was impressive. Mm. Um, I, I, I look at Notre Dame. I think they're one of the four best teams. I think this year... Yeah, but now than, you're saying it's about the best teams. But Okay, well, fair enough. Go but ahead. The, this, this is my, my thinking on it. I think this year it should be about the eye test more so than anything because Ohio State may only play six games all year leading into the the Big Ten championship game. And so if we're going to look at Ohio State compared to Cincinnati, you can say, well, Cincinnati's got so many more games they've proven that they've won. And so for me, I look at it and go, yeah, but Ohio State's the better team. I think eye test matters, and I think it matters more this year than maybe even in years past. And I'm, I'm not even sure that's the eye test. Rather, you can have objective measurements of how good a team is, right? Vegas is the ultimate at that. That's what we do best. Yeah. And, you know, anyone that wants to think the things were wrong, we'll bet you, right? <laughs> and, I mean, so let's just say this. As the weeks go by, this is going to get interesting. But I look at a Cincinnati. I look at a BYU. I look even at a Coastal Carolina, which if you haven't really heard or thought about that, that, that's a team that's doing something. Now, I'm not saying they should be there right now, but, boy, it feels like there should be something that gives them a chance to get in. Maybe there's a play-in tour. I don't know. Obviously, with football, it's tougher. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.